Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning, all. It is Tuesday, March 24th, 2020. And like most people in America, we are sheltered in, uh, depending on where you are. Hopefully, whoever's listening is safe and okay where they are. Again, welcome to the Mean Lowdown. We've got two participants today. We've got uh, Chuck Stanley in our D.C. office and Greg Clark, head of municipal research in our upstate New York office. And today... Greg and Chuck will be discussing the impact of the outbreak of the coronavirus COVID-19 in New York on the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, better known as the MTA, which is the state agency that oversees the New York City bus and subway system, as well as commuter rail and toll roads in the metropolitan area. So, Chuck, welcome to the show. Hey, Sean. Good to be here. All right. I hope you're safe down there. So far, so good. Can't complain given the circumstances. All right, so let's talk about uh, New York City's MTA, which obviously, with everyone working from home, um, huge impact on it. So tell me, how hard has the system been hit? Well, the most recent numbers I've seen were released by the MTA last week, and that was just after New York City shut down its school system. And at that point, daily ridership on the city subways had declined by 60%. And the decline in commuter rail ridership was even more severe, with AM rush hour trips down by 90% on the Metro North Railroad line. And that adds up to an $87 million weekly revenue shortfall. And that's before you account for the fact that since then, the number of confirmed cases in the city has grown to more than 13,000 from just under 1,000 cases. And over the weekend, non-essential businesses in New York City were ordered to shut down. So you'd expect those numbers to be even lower this week and going forward. Altogether, the MTA estimates it could lose $3.7 billion over the course of the year if last week's numbers were sustained for six months, followed by a gradual return to normal ridership levels. Now, we have no way of knowing right now how long the outbreak will continue to spread, whether we could see multiple waves of the virus or how ridership will rebound once the epidemic subsides. Um, but those are the estimates right now. And the authorities also taken on new costs to disinfect trains and buses, which could total $300 million over the course of a year. Wow, that sounds really, really like sort of apocalyptic. And I know for now in New York City, the, uh, the subways are only allowed for essential workers. So what are investors saying overall about the situation? Well, market, market watchers expect some sort of federal bailout for the MTA, as well as other public transit agencies across the country that have been hit by this outbreak. In the case of the MTA, they argue that the system is just too important to the economy to leave out in the cold, particularly in the face of such an unprecedented disaster. So right now we have a $2 trillion stimulus bill being negotiated in the Senate, and that's expected to pro- provide around $20 billion in grants for public transit systems across the country. But even if federal assistance is somehow delayed, the MTA's cash situation is probably good enough to allow it to ride out the storm, at least in the near term. And that includes the system's first big financial hurdle when around a billion dollars of short-term debt comes due in mid-May. So the MTA, like a lot of other large public agencies, covers a lot of its capital expenses as they're accrued by issuing short-term bond anticipation notes. 
often just referred to as bands. And that borrowing is then pooled and refinanced through bonded issuance. And the NCA has about a billion dollars in bands coming due May 15th. The folks I've spoken with tend to think that markets should normalize enough by the end of, by, by then, that a credit like that MTA will be able to place a deal of that size. But even if deals still aren't getting done by then, the MTA seems equipped to turn over the debt. As of last week, the authority had access to about $3.8 billion in cash, and that's a combination of running cash balance, flexible funds, employee benefits resources, and a billion-dollar line of credit that's being fully drawn down in the face of the current crisis. The authority also has funds dedicated to capital improvements that could, in emergency, uh, some of the analysts have told me, be used for operations. That's not generally something you want to see. But in a major emergency, it might be understandable as a short-term measure. And definitely, I think most people would agree this is an emergency, especially going on what's right now. Um, and as we speak, I think uh, Congress is close to uh, confirming that uh, uh, package that you mentioned. So, um, Chuck, I know you cover uh, infrastructure and transportation. I've got one last question for you. Are there, let's say, are there aspects of New York's public transit system that might make it more vulnerable to this crisis than those of, let's say, other cities? Well, the MTA is more reliant on fare box revenue than many other major systems for funding, as opposed to taxes. So a decline in ridership is going to hit their bottom line uh, harder than some other systems in the country. System-wide, fares and tolls for the toll roads managed by the MTA account for about 67% of the authority's operating expenses. And so for comparison, Seattle, which is another epicenter for coronavirus, gets most of its public transit funding from local taxes, with fare box revenue covering between 30 and 40% of operating expenses. And that's more in line with the national average. But I also think that the centrality of subways to New York could drive a faster recovery in ridership than systems where users might be more likely to have other options. And I think that's more that that's borne out by the greater decline in commuter rail ridership than subway ridership that we've already seen. For some suburban commuters, the option to work from home or drive into the city might make it easier to reduce or eliminate Metro North or Long Island Railroad trips rather than, say, residents of the city who are more likely to rely on the subway for essential trips. But even those, even those commuter rail riders are probably more likely to return as congestion starts to resemble pre-outbreak levels, rather than other cities where rush hour traffic might be as horrific as New York City, parking is cheaper, and families are more likely to own more than one car. I see. Well, good points there. Very interesting. Okay. Thank you, Chuck, for your work today. Uh, stay safe out there. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. All right. Greg Clark, Head of Municipal Research, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. All right. And Chuck was mentioning Metro North. I understand. You're a Metro North writer yourself, correct? Well, I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Until the current uh, situation uh, came into play. But, yeah, I was a regular monthly pass purchaser. And uh, mm -hmm. I haven't been on it now in two weeks. Um, hope to be returning soon. And, uh, but, of course, that's uh, to some extent out of my hands. Totally understood. Uh, like most of us, we want to get back to our regular routine as soon as possible. So definitely. And I, I don't know, I'm sure you've seen pictures online of Grand Central. It looks like literally like 
like a ghost town. It's it it shows how beautiful it is, but it's simply empty there. So yeah, it looks clean and uh, unfortunately empty, <laughs> cleaner than I've ever seen it. All right. So talking about the MTA, Greg, I know you've uh, written some very insightful uh, analytical pieces in the past, and you you're going to discuss such a calamity as this. Uh, two previous shall I dare say it, um, storms that MTA uh, weathered through. One was Superstorm Sandy, and one was the 9-11 attacks. Tell us about how they handled those uh, situations. Well, let me deal with the most recent uh, calamity first, before this calamity that we're going through right now, and that was Superstorm Sandy. Uh, that hit New York in late October of 2012. And in order to capture the effects of these kinds of things, you have to look at a three-year trend. You know, the year before the calamity hit, the year in which it hit, and then the year after to see how things recovered. So from 2011 to 2013, all segments of the MTA's transit operations, bus, subway, and commuter rail, showed higher revenues. Bridge and tunnel revenue declined in 2012, but then it recovered in 2013. Uh, after 9-11, or I should say, that, again, the three-year trend, 01, excuse me, 2000 through 2002, trends were not significantly different from what I just described uh, about Sandy. Fair revenue for city transit operations increased in each year, but commuter train revenues declined slightly from 2001 to 2002, and bridge and tunnel revenue went down in 02, but only, only by about 3%. And then it recovered again in 03. So it looks like that the MT made it through relatively, made it through those crises relatively w w well. I so, so we've yeah. heard from Chuck about, yeah. So we've heard from Chuck about current passenger trends, and you've mentioned that you looked at the MT's budget to get some more background. What did you find out? The uh, most recent MTA board meeting. Uh, at least is, uh, that was posted online yesterday, was on February 26th, which seems like ages ago now. The board was presented with the revised 2020 budget. Uh, their, their fiscal year is a calendar year, so we're, in the, we're, we're just closing out now the third quarter, excuse me, the first quarter, the third month of fiscal year 2020. Uh, that budget showed fare box revenue of $6.5 billion, Toll revenue of 2.1 billion, and taxes of six and a half billion. You add all those up, and it's 15.1 billion, or about 88% of the budget. On the expense side, there is 6.3 billion for payroll, which includes overtime. 2.2 billion for health and welfare. I assume that means uh, health insurance and that kind of thing. Uh, ironically, you couldn't find a description of that in the budget. Uh, $1.5 billion for pensions and $2.8 billion for debt service. Uh, all of those figures add up to about three-fourths of expenses. There's one other category, non-labor and other expense. That's as far as it goes. $4.2 billion, and that accounts for most of the, of the rest of the expense budget. So in addition to what kind of federal aid might come in, uh, you got to look at what can be cut the expense side of the budget. And I'm not sure what would, uh, what would enter in there. Payroll appears to be the biggest variable expense, but I don't know how much that item can be reduced even if ridership is down. 
still have to maintain the system and uh, also maintain some level of service. And in addition to that, the MTA has some strong unions, labor unions, that it needs to deal with. But the depth of the problem was apparent just looking at fare box revenues. Choosing a one figure, let's say they're 50% of what's expected over the course of the year, that's a $3.2 billion hit right there. And then you add in losses from bridges and uh, bridge and tunnel tolls. For the sake of consistency, let's just assume they're down by half as well or by a billion dollars. So the total revenue loss under that scenario, and again, this is, uh, I would say, a pretty simple analysis. Uh, you can you can look at the budget and do your own, but under these assumptions, you're looking at a total revenue loss of 4.2 billion, and that's not even counting the tax losses that would occur due to a recession. That's very yes, that's that that sounds interesting, and I know. Uh... Economists out there are predicting that if things keep going the way it is, it's most likely we will hit a recession. And I know the MTA is asking for about a $4 billion bailout from the federal government. So, Greg, tell us your overall conclusion of the situation, if there's any way to compare previous calamities to now. Well, the, the previous incidents we discussed, 9-11 and Sandy, as bad as those events were for the people who were directly affected and for the area in general, they didn't have any significant effect on MTA operations. This crisis, uh, the, coronavirus, the coronavirus crisis, appears to be so far much, much more uh, serious. And at the risk of stating the obvious, uh, the extent of the MTA's own financial problems depends first on the duration of the crisis, how much ridership increases once the crisis is over, and how much federal aid they receive. That's right. Well, uh, we shall see. And I think MTA was one of the first uh, transportation agencies to ask for it. You know, literally everyone else is falling in line asking for it, so in other sectors as well. But thank you, Greg, for your work today, and I hope you stay safe. Thanks, John. You too. Thank you. All right, so everyone out there, uh, thank you for tuning in for this uh, week's edition of the, De of the DebtWire Municipal's Mini Lowdown. I'd like to thank Greg Clark today. Chuck Stanley today, Christian Ayala, our producer, who um, makes us sound good. But again, as always, thank you to our listeners out there week after week. Uh, as they say, in the in time of crisis, let's take care of each other, stay safe, and we hope to hear from you again soon. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mini Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.